Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this uh, Sunday evening via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the sweepers have become the swept as the Islanders are bounced from the playoffs after four games by the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I take no pleasure in saying this, but you and I said for a while that we would rather the Islanders play the Penguins and the Capitals uh, in the playoffs rather than the Hurricanes. And I, I think we all just kind of saw why. Like, that team is pretty damn good but that still kind of sucked basically yeah yeah we, we i think we all just kind of knew if you you had been watching the hurricanes a little bit like they they st- started to not be that um like that coursey shot attempts volume team and they morphed sort of like how the islanders did in the beginning of the year they they 
kind of just grew their game grew and grew and grew and they became almost like the Bruins where they were just so good defensively and so good on the forecheck that they just made your life a living hell they kind of did what the Islanders did to the Penguins in the first round and um yeah I you know if the who knows I mean if the Capitals had won that game that went into double overtime or held on to that 3-2 series lead like I think the Islanders would have had a really good chance at, at making the Eastern Conference final but don't don't even get me started I was trying to explain to my daughter that exact principle <laughs> and, and I, I feel like it was game three or four and I, I was saying you know these guys are really good and we were all hoping that they would have lost in the last round and I mean, she doesn't quite kind of get like how playoff rounds work and stuff like that but that that exact thought had come into my mind like man if the Caps had just scored in overtime of that game, <laughs> the Islanders might be in a much better position than they are now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll admit, like I just, to me, the the Hurricanes had just they had been so hot for so long. I mean, again, from from about when the Islanders played them in January at the Coliseum, you know, their record still wasn't very good. Um, but they just always seemed to give the Islanders fits. But from that point on, they were just a raging sort of like you know uh, meteorite that was kind of burning its way through the league and I mean just from that point of view I, I really didn't want the Islanders to face them but yeah having watched them play you're 100% right they they play very much in that style of, of we've talked about how the Bruins are kind of what the Islanders want to be but the the Hurricanes are that right now and they're just relentless their forecheck is relentless their their defense is very good and very active and they just don't give you any time to make a decision. And it is exactly the way the Islanders played the Penguins, who never quite adjusted the Penguins roster just outside of Malskin and Crosby and Kessel and had just didn't, you know, they don't have the kind of horses that the, the Hurricanes have. And the Islanders just picked apart Chris Letang, who I guess maybe, I don't know if he was hurt or old or whatever, but uh, it worked in that series and it didn't work so much against the Hurricanes. And, and now the Islanders are just sitting at home and I'm, you know, it, it sucks to be swept, but if it makes anybody feel any better, it's even worse to be swept by a team that went on to get swept. So congratulations to the Penguins for achieving that dubious honor. Um, <laughs> uh, so how, how did you, cause you actually saw the two, the two home games and then, uh, you know, how did you watch the the last two games? Are you just at home, or? Yeah, I was at home with like with my uh, my dad and my brother and my family, and uh, it it became, I thought, pretty obvious in uh, game three that even if the Islanders had kind of just kept responding because they responded decently in terms of scoring in that game, it like uh, that game was just never going to be won. I just <laughs> was had no confidence at all in that game, and then game, for game four, I just really thought um, they would. I thought. You know, maybe they'd catch the Hurricanes. Um, yeah. Curtis you know, McElhaney started that game. I thought yeah. the same thing. Well, I mean, yeah. that's the other thing, too, which is, is you know, kind of just goes to one of the themes of the season of, you know, the Islanders not really being treated like the kind of underdog good feel story that they should be is that after the Penguin sweep, all people talked about was, oh, Robin Leonard, you know, stood on his head. The Islanders didn't deserve it. But Curtis McElhaney and, and Peter Mrazek didn't allow a goal at like five on five, like any they what the two and one being the, the the one really at the end of the game of uh, game mm. four from Nelson like these they they both played out and there that's Curtis McElhenney and Peter Morazic and sure Robin Leonard doesn't have that you know huge track record either but those two guys I'm sure if you ask anybody around the league they'd say they're like 20 or 30 goalies behind what Leonard is and it's just so funny that the narrative for this series is and and don't get me wrong the Hurricanes were the better team but like 
that was a huge reason why. And and the, when the Islanders were the better team, all people focused on was the goaltending. So uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I thought it was it was, it was pretty obvious in in uh, game three and game four. Like that, I was su- super excited. I Matt when Matt Barzell scored that goal, he was super excited. And then Leo Komarov took that stupid penalty, and, and that that was that was it. Yeah. yeah um, it seems now in retrospect that we can look back, and and it seems like the more I think about it. The series was kind of over when the Islanders didn't win those first two home games. Um, you know, you could make the argument, and, and we did almost make the argument that they were the better team in in both those games. Certainly in, in game two, for sure. Game one might have been a little bit more even, but to come out of both of those games without a win really set them up for uh, a really really tough time down in Raleigh. And in both of those games, they were tied at one point. Uh, they were tied. 2-2 going into the third period of game three. Uh, and, you know, the third period was not good. Uh, Leonard goes to play the puck, ends up giving it away to Sebastian Ajo. And, you know, whether you think Leonard made a dumb play or made a good play that was negated by a better play by Ajo, at the end of the day, that that was a risky play that ended up being the game-winning goal. I mean, they, they ended up losing 5-2 with two empty netters. So ultimately that was really kind of a one-goal game. They, they played, I think, better in that game than, than the score indicates. But game four, um, yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought just all kind of like, you, you know, the Islanders are going to come out, throw the kitchen sink at them, and even like law of averages, you think they kind of get one one here, uh, especially with McElhaney playing and, and a bunch of other guys hurt. But they were tied at one after the first period. Uh, one of those <laughs> – the Hurricanes goal kind of was whacked in by Adam Pellick. I'm not sure what – he was thinking if he was trying to stuff it under Leonard, but he did too good a job and him scoring on his own goalie. Uh, but then the second was just an absolute disaster. And that was that was really the season for them right there. That second period, the Hurricanes made it three one. Leonard pulled. I mean, it wasn't really his fault, but Leonard was pulled. Grice came in. Um, the Islanders had pressure in the third, but it just wasn't enough. Uh Dom in his recap made me laugh when he wrote, you know, he did a, he broke it down by period. And he was like third period you're required to play it. And that, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, we really got to sit here and <laughs> play this this stupid third period, even though they're not going to uh, come back. And uh, it, yeah, Nelson got that late goal there. And, uh, you know, we all laughed at the Nelson uh, patting um, uh, Peter Mrazek or uh, Curtis McElhaney on the head as he scored a goal on him. And Brock said it was just to keep him from running into McElhaney. But uh, in the handshake line, Dougie Hamilton sort of patted uh, Nelson on the head. And hey, you know what? Fair play. Like one guy can do it. The other guy can do it. And uh, that's just kind of how it went. You know, the Islanders had some some pushback, but it just wasn't enough. And, and you know, to go home in four straight kind of stinks. But uh, um, we're going to talk to Carrie Haber at some point, have a have an episode uh, analytically, you know, kind of focusing on things analytically. But he had a, a good thread today about how the series was a lot closer then the scores would indicate, but ultimately they went home in four straight after winning four straight, and it's the first time that's happened to any team since 1993 Buffalo Sabres, and it's just a weird feeling uh, to have come this far and yet be still so far away, you know? It's yeah. just like, ugh, man, really? Yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head. Like, not come, they, they tried to put a positive spin on the fact that they were playing well and that they were trending in the right direction after those two losses, and in reality it was just they – were squandered opportunities yeah and and uh yeah i mean it just sucked i mean you, you to go from the highest of highs to like that low and you know we talk about the the sabers islander series from 2007 being the closest five game series of all time 
this is definitely the closest sweep of all time because in the record books, it's, you know, you're going to look at it and be like, damn, but that, you know, there, there was a, a skate blade that McElhenney hmm. made a save with in game three and the, obviously the post in game two. It's just so like how many turned over goals that the Islanders have three. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. So like there was just so many, you know, things that didn't go their way. And the old adage kind of rang true that you earn the breaks that you get in sports and the hurricanes definitely earned theirs. And the Islanders just never really seemed to earn, earn a break or, you know, good fortune. And, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, after having such a good first series, like the, the Bailey Nelson, uh, kind of like that tier of the team, the non Barzell, uh, guys, basically like the, the, the supporting cast, the, they didn't really ever show up. Anders Lee was just incredibly snake bitten. I mean, he was snake bitten in the Penguin series too. The fourth line never, you know, had any tangible results. So it was just when you look at it that way, that you just see that there was really no chance of the Islanders to to win a series when those guys aren't, you know, playing above the level that they they should be on paper because that's how they had success all season. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't want to take anything away from the Hurricanes. They earned the win. Like, you know, we can sit here and talk about missed opportunities, and but at the end of the day, the Hurricanes were the better team. Like, that's just how it is, and, and they deserve to win. And I, I know a lot of people are <laughs> – I gotta hate those guys now, but I, I don't know. I, I find it very hard to hate them. I, you know, I said before, like, if was, they weren't playing the Islanders, I'd probably be rooting for them. Um, even the Niederreiter thing, I, I just – you know, the fact that he was traded for an even worse player uh, makes that thing kind of go away. And I, I got no problem with it. I think it was – I think it was fine. And, you know, to be honest, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them – go a little bit further so to kind of justify <laughs> the Islanders losing but but you're right it's the, the stark contrast between the, the, I guess the big my biggest problem with the the sweep is that it it between the the sudden shockingness of that uh sweep plus the long layoff between series it kind of made you forget about the penguin series and I mean the penguin series almost feels like it happened you know, last yeah, the year. Islanders haven't they haven't won a game in like four weeks or right. whatever, three weeks. You know, <laughs> but they but they've only played four games in that time. You know, and um, you know that that series was the exact opposite of this as we talked about before. Like the the Islanders really, they they were on top of the Penguins the entire time, and every and if the Penguins scored a goal, the Islanders came back to score like two of their own, and that's exactly what happened here. And just the like you said, I mean the, the fourth line was very ineffective against the Hurricanes. Cal Clutterbuck was hurt. He missed game four. He, but even before that, maybe he was hurt before then too because he always kind of takes maintenance days and stuff. But he just they just weren't effective. And when that when that line isn't effective, you know the Islanders are in for a lot of problems. But, you know, against the Penguins, they kind of really chewed them up and, and were almost at the top of their game. Uh, I thought Barzell had a good series against the Hurricanes, but, you know, Everly had had really carved up the penguins too he he didn't have a great series and nelson the nelson bailey combo too again they were really good against pittsburgh and they just couldn't get anything going at all against the the hurricanes and you know the last game had some curious line combinations to start the game but eventually barry trotz went back to the usual ones and you know at that point though like in all fairness like what is he supposed to do you're staring down in three three oh hole you know I don't want to see Leo Komarov on a line with Matt Barzell, but, you know, barring calling anybody up or making a trade, you two can't do. Uh, that's all there is to do it. And, yeah, Komarov took two penalties in that game. Sezikis took two penalties. Uh, it was not a good game, <laughs> that game four, to to go out on. I mean, yeah, the Islanders um, showed a lot of passion and a lot of jump, but 
uh, ultimately it it was it's going to leave a bad taste in in one's mouth after such a, a great season and a great previous series. You know that that's the worst part of it, I guess. Yeah, it sucked. But uh, actually, like it it would have sucked a lot more had uh, you know been in the first round or whatever. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll <laughs> definitely talk about like the bigger picture stuff and um, you know there were there were some silver linings. Obviously, like the seeing Robin Leonard come out and you know getting those hugs from basically everybody that mm. was playing in the game and uh you know there's there's so much like just to think about um to try and keep I mean yeah you should take you know a couple days to be upset and sad that the season's over because it was so much fun but you know when you look back there like there were the series had very few moments of them but like the there were so many moments of just brilliance and uh and throughout the season uh that just made it not feel as bad as uh as it as it usually does and uh i was surprised like actually how i was upset sure but i was kind of surprised with how you know quickly my my attitude kind of shifted towards that yeah uh i you know elliot friedman tweeted something i, I couldn't understand so did did trots actually talk to like grice about maybe leonard should go back in for the third period or something like that like they just the, yeah, the, yeah, and then there was like a video of Christ going over to, to him, and I think Leonard basically said like, "No, it sounds. Yeah. It looks like. I mean, that's what. The, it was all kind of hard to, mm. to to like follow, but um, yeah, I mean, wouldn't put it past you know either of those three guys for yeah. for doing exactly their role in that little, or I should say four, including Friedman. Yeah. You know, that, that, any of them, any of them, you know, doing exactly that, and uh, yeah, it would been a nice moment. But and I think Staples said like the players said it was kind of hard to to keep playing while Leonard was kind of sitting in the, in the tunnel there <laughs> having been pulled. Um, yeah. He got a lot of hugs after the, after the game. I mean, the, the team was, was obviously very, I guess, kind of, kind of uh, drained at that point of all. I mean, it's been an emotional season an emotional couple of weeks and certainly an emotional playoff series, but uh, yeah, you know, you, you could definitely see that the players were definitely all over Leonard and, you know, again, he, it's not that he played poorly. I mean, even when he got pulled, uh, you know, he gave up two goals in a minute, or so for the second time in the season series, and you think, oh my god, that's that's pretty bad. But I mean, over the course of the series, I, I would say that he he was above average, especially in the first two games. He was phenomenal. I mean, you, you go into overtime in game one, tied at zero zero. I mean, you're nothing. You, that's obviously incredible. Um, but yeah, I think you know if if anybody's stock rose over the the, the playoffs, uh, it's definitely Leonard. I mean, he hadn't started a game in a play, in an NHL playoff game and his entire career and he came away, uh, you know, four and four, but still like he, his, his performance was, uh, you know, um, uh, it, it definitely followed suit to what his uh, regular season performance was. And, and that, that's good to see, you know, I mean, he, he was there. It wasn't his fault. They lost, you know, when you can't score goals, it's going to be hard to, to win games, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's just going to be interesting now going into the, the off season, how this kind of all plays out and how, how much this, playoff series will play into the various negotiations of ufas like leonard and lee and everly and nelson and uh, i guess philpola too but yeah um you know it, it it does suck but there are there are positives there and uh <laughs> a lot of the most of the positives had it happened in the uh the previous series which again people may forget actually happened this year i think i keep i keep getting back to that because i keep forgetting that it happened this year um but yeah yeah you know, what are you gonna do kind of look look past this series as much as i can and i and I think in a couple of weeks it'll be a lot easier to, to do that and just focus on the Penguins one. 
Yeah. Um, I guess we should also talk about the, the switch to Barclays real quick. They played those two games. Uh, conditions were not great. The ice was not great. It wasn't great in Raleigh either. Uh, you know, there were complaints. Trains weren't great. Uh, it just kind of sucked. Actually, it's very funny. So we, we were joking a couple episodes ago about the share concert uh, at Barclays uh, Friday night, same Friday night the Islanders lost. <laughs> uh, no, no, sorry, it was Thursday night, and then the Islanders lost Friday night. So my wife was at at that concert, and she had these weird seats where she can kind of like see behind the stage, but also kind of the front of the stage. And so she saw more of Cher like you know doing costume changes than actually performing. And uh, she was showing me these pictures and telling me this stuff, and I'm like. It's just a weird building, man. What can I tell you? It's just I've been there a bunch of times only for hockey games, and I almost want to just go to a Nets game just to see what it's like because every time – the both times we've been there now, we've both been like, man, that's just a weird, weird layout. And I, I thought for a concert it would be different, but I guess not. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't – no player is going to is gonna blame the change in venue or, or the layoff, for that matter, for losing the series. I, I don't think it helped – um, you know, Andrew Gross had a, a five questions article and he was like, you know, as, as long as it's going to be this way, it's going to be a distraction. And I think that's fair. It is. But, um, you know, it just kind of sucked, I think, from a, a perspective point of view than a player's point of view. But that being said, when you lose both those games, it, it doesn't help. You know, it doesn't help the perception at all. Yeah. The, the, the only silver lining from falling in those two games is hopefully <laughs> and this is obviously completely hypothetical and unlikely that they can say to the league like look what happened you know you, <laughs> you force us out of the place that you 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 guys couldn't shut up about on your nhl network like every five seconds they talked about how great the coliseum was and there were articles about it and all this shit and and then uh you go to barclays and you know they i'm pretty sure the the pundits were were instructed not to to like mention it as much because mm. they're trying to you know keep keep it under wraps but it's just I mean, everybody who everybody who is outside of of this Islander sphere, Islander circle, would and start to watch like casual hockey fans who really start paying attention in the playoffs. Like this is like a shame. It's a crime. It shouldn't be allowed. And and you you just there's no. I just don't have any more energy for it. But they're right. Like <laughs> you just want to be like yes, I know. But like there's just so much. Like I'd have to really have to explain. We're supposed to just be happy to be here. That's how we're being treated. And you know what? Hopefully. With more preparation next year, it's a little bit of a different story uh, because it it, it really – I don't care, you know, what you say. Like there were there, there were any – you know, what he says, like there's there's going to be a – there's going to be a uh, kind of just like a knock on the – or a, the, the level of play will just go down a little bit just because of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, but it's, it, there was just not – like we said in the last episode, we were just kind of held over a barrel uh, in that situation and uh, hopefully it gets sorted better uh next year yeah well they got a bunch of a bunch of months now to maybe uh clean the concrete out of the yeah. toilets at the coliseum and uh, <laughs> open up some of those suites get some more uh some more revenue in there but uh yeah no it did it did suck and yeah having to explain it sucks even more but uh you know what are you, what are you gonna do again it, it it wouldn't it didn't i don't think it caused them to lose but it certainly didn't help and you know at the end of the day uh you got to play where you got to play and they uh, stayed in a hotel and like the Lou Lamorello uh, school of, of devil's uh, playoff action. Um, but what are you going to do? Uh, okay. So uh, let's uh, that, let, that sort of puts a bow on, on the playoff series uh, that was sucked, uh, but the penguins, uh, the uh, hurricanes deserve to win. So what are you going to do? Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the year, the season in general and you know, 
where we go, where the Islanders go from here into the summer and the offseason of much uncertainty. So please join us when we come back right after these messages. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, I've seen Avengers Endgame twice now. I saw it once um, during Game 2, like I said, <laughs> the playoff series, and then I saw it again uh, Saturday night after the Islanders lost. I liked it better the second time. The first time I felt like I was trying to see where it was going rather than just kind of let it happen to me. And the second time I knew what was going to happen. So, uh, I enjoyed it a lot more, but it did occur to me that what's happened to the Islanders over this season is essentially kind of an infinity gauntlet snap in a way. Uh, what has happened is that Barry Trotz, Lou Lamorello, the coaching staff, the players, they have effectively reset the Islanders timeline, by erasing everything that came before it. And we talked about this in an earlier episode, but now it is really, now that the season is over, it has really hit home. Like, this is a new starting point for this franchise, this season right here. Um, they came into it with very low expectations for anything. I think we all would have been a lot happy, would have been pretty happy to show any kind of competency at all. But what happened, and I mean, we all know the list by now 103 points, second in the Metro, 100 less goals scored, Jennings Trophy. Uh, Adams Trophy finalist for Barry Trotz, Vezina Trophy finalist for Robin Leonard, playoff series with home ice advantage, a sweep of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then into the second round, which kind of fell apart. Um, that is an unbelievable way to start in a new era, and that is exactly what has happened now. And I know the series against the Hurricanes sucked, but there's no other way I think that people can see this season without being positive. Right. That's the only way to view this season is, is as a positive. I mean, as a whole. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that's kind of why I brought up the thing with the the media before is there's just very few people who were talking about that. Like this was this was a team that very, you know, they defied expectations and odds and everything. And, and there was none. There's really none of that um, kind of circling. I think like Dave. Pagnotta from the fourth period was like the only one I noticed and sure it's petty to like be waiting for that kind of stuff but you you these guys deserved so much credit um from the top down to to the fan base too like if, this has probably been the most galvanizing season as a fan base I um, you know I'm not even I'm, I don't want to include the Coliseum the the first last Coliseum season because there was a much more uh there were you know outside forces um doing that but like this has i've never seen the fan base kind of you know come together in the way that it did for this one you get behind the team sure there were like there were factions of people who you know leo Komarov, like they were polarizing figures still but um basically it was everybody was it was a very much an all for one season uh since 
basically Lou and Barry took over and obviously the Tavares thing. Uh, and that, that added to it, uh, for sure. Like that, that whole, the, this, the whole kind of galvanizing way of the season unfolded with the, with the fan base too. Like it just, it, you made, it made you like really just happy to be an Islander fan for, for the first, one of the very few times in, in your lifetime. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, there are parts of this, you know, team that not everybody loves. Uh, obviously, Komarov and, and <laughs> is, uh, you know, a bad penalty machine. And, you know, there are players, um, you know, Hickey had a bad series, too, uh, with the Hurricanes against the Hurricanes. And, you know, people are always going to say that this guy isn't doing enough and whatever. But, you know, overall, this has definitely been a galvanizing season. And, I mean, I think that if you if you ask people, you know, to sort of rank the best seasons, you know, post dynasty, you know, 1993, I think is always going to be the top one, but this has probably got to come right after it. I was thinking about this, you know, if you had to sort of stack it up with, you know, 2002 was great. They, they can't, I think they had 96 points that year, which was like a 40 or something point jump. It was like the most in a bunch of years. And they came like one point within winning division. That was, that was cool. But they, and they played a brutal seven game series and lost, you know, that's that that was cool too. Uh, so it was it was a resurgence season, but I mean ultimately I think this one was better than that. Um, 2015, 16 was a great season. They came out were just completely on fire and th- through the All Star break, kind of fell apart a little bit. Then played another brutal seven game series uh, and lost. That was a cool season too. This I definitely put up above that. And then the the season after that, the the 2015, 16 no. No, sorry. 2014-15 was was the previous season. That was the last one at the Coliseum. 2015-16, regular season was was okay, but again, that one was that regular season was very much a mirage. Uh, everything was kind of shielded by great goaltending and a, an MVP performance by John Tavares. They did win a playoff series, which was great, but again, that was kind of a stolen playoff series a little bit. Grice and Tavares, and I so I would put this one above that as well. And so you're talking about one of the best seasons in franchise history. Uh, certainly since the since the dynasty era, and I mean that that's going to bring about a lot of pride, and a lot of people are going to really, you know, look back on this and be like, "Damn, that was a lot. That was a great season." And you know, the funny thing is, like, we sat here the, throughout that season and worried and fretted over every single little thing. But again, that's like what I was getting back to before. Like, we have established a new norm. There have been new um, there have been new ex- expectations set now, and I we could all only hope that the management is going to take those expectations and build upon team. Nobody, nobody sat here and was like, yeah, that's the, that's a great team. Just leave them where they are. No, they still need to get better. But as a starting point, this is, this is pretty remarkable. And if they feel like this is the, the very baseline of what they want to accomplish, you know, hundred, whatever points, playoff series, home ice then playoff rounds. I mean, we should all be happy that we're in for a pretty good ride because this is, you know, as Trotz has said, this is year one of a five-year plan to, become a consistent contender and they're not going to waver from that just because they made the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And, and in terms of like seasons and, and enjoyment, I was, I was three for 93. So this is, this is easily number one for me. And, and I, the, my friends who were kind of in like my same age, like a year or two younger or older, they were saying the same thing. Like I, re, I'll, I'll never forget 2000, the one, 2001, two, because that kind of gave me the, the bug for, for Islander hockey and like just how great, it would be to see this team that is just our our team. Like this is a, a product of a community rather than a, like just a thing that belongs in a city. And 
that kind of like just started things. And so I'll always remember that series for uh, that season very fondly. But this one just like trumps it. Like there was just so many times where I'd be walking somewhere to a train or doing whatever and just think about, you know, something that was going on uh, with the team and just, you know, just get, you know, goosebumps and chills and thinking about just all the great, you know, little moments that they kind of built into this, this wonderful See, like just year um, since basically since July, like it's you can't say since July because of how terrible it was. But like <laughs> now that you look back on it, you say like since July first to now, like it, it's been the best time to be for me to be an Islander fan. And uh, like even that game, you th- uh, the game against Toronto, the first one at at home, uh, and even the first one on the road, like those, like you, this is a new norm because those are the type of games where y- you go into that that the Islander, the, the Coliseum that night or whether you wherever you were watching in the December game thinking there's just no way in hell they win this game. Like there's just <laughs> no way this is the Islanders. They, in for these type of games, they sure, like they might hang with them for a little bit and provide like a little bit of, you know, happiness for a big hit or something. And then they'll lose. But those games were just these huge statements that, uh, you can't not like think about for the rest of your life. Those are unforgettable moments, uh, as sports fans. And there were, those were just two of you know twenty or thirty throughout the season. Uh, that game against the Canadians when they scored when Anders Lee scored with like two minutes left is one that comes to mind right now. Uh, just there's there's Michael uh, Robin Leonard saving that breakaway against Michael Grabner that like really put them into the playoffs for sure. Like those there's just so many of those moments throughout the whole year that uh, kind of have built up to to where we are. Yeah, um, you know, as, yeah, I've been saying with, like I've been keeping this sort of run of Tao of Trot's uh, uh, comments and uh, that he's made. And, you know, it's funny when you mention specific games, I, re- I think of specific instances where he's of things he's said. And my favorite from the, the home, the home game against the Leafs was, you know, he, he told the guys later on, it, it feels good to have the Islanders back. And like, that's the kind of comment that makes you think, wow, this guy really gets it. Like he gets what we're thinking, you know, despite having just joined this team, at that you know less than a year ago really uh he kind of gets it and he gets like what what it's all about like we want to have pride in the team we want to feel good about being an islanders fan and it's games like that and games like the one against the habs or that you know that game against the sabers where they they finally clinched the playoff spot but you know it was how many times have have islanders game i mean how many times have we said how many times have the islanders in the past lose this game you know i mean they're they're given every opportunity on a silver platter and then they just throw it away this season more so than than any uh they've made the most of games like that most of those opportunities and and with that comes trot stuff like when when he was interviewed um at one point in the season by alex pruitt of sports illustrated and he's like you know you go to Home Depot and people just come up to you and say thank you. And it's like the island, the island is passionate, you know. And it's like that's great. He's just this. This is what it's all about. And it was just, uh, you know, that kind of stuff really brings it all home. And mm. you know, so you got games won that they should win. You got a coach that's that's kind of saying the right stuff. You got them playing games at the Coliseum again, which you know, again, I I got to say, I never thought would happen again. And seeing the reaction and seeing the 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 passion from the crowd has been great it's been very very proud to to see that kind of stuff so um yeah, yeah it's 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 as close to the like the, the dynasty years are so foreign to me because i was born you know based seven years afterwards and um so that zeitgeist of of how things were back then like it's never they've never it's never been close 
like I've never felt close to it. I, I know like people talk about like the halcyon days of being an Islander fan and uh, Barry Trotz, like I, it's having him in charge. Like he's trying to root the team, like to re reroute this entire organization towards, towards that, those feelings again, like the, the Islanders should be this bear to deal with. They should be a contender and a team that is very relevant all the time in, in the NHL. And, so like that that's this is as close as I, this it sounds sick but this is as close <laughs> as I've had I've felt to like that kind of nostalgia for for those years because like I don't I don't know what it's like I don't know what having success as an Islander fan is like and this is the basically the most I've ever had um, so him saying that stuff like that's the kind of stuff that you heard guys like Nystrom and Clark Gillies t- say like that that oh you you would never pay for a drink or we'd never you know you go to the mall and everyone would stop you and and hearing Trot say that kind of stuff um, is like, you know, like that must have been what it was like back then. And, and uh, that just feels good. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that that's a really crazy way to look at it. I never thought of it that way. But um, yeah, no. And, and it's it sounds, you know, I, I always wonder sometimes if like people that aren't fans of the Islanders ever sort of like drop in and, and listen to an episode. I doubt they do. I mean, I don't sit around listening to other team podcasts or anything like that. But, you know, if you if you went and said that to somebody, they they might think you're crazy. But really, that I, I totally get it. I mean, and that's the that's the way we should look at it, because they I mean, how many records and longstanding droughts did they break this year? You know, I mean, most points since 1983, first sweep since 1983, most, you know, the first time they won the Jennings Trophy since 1982. First, you know, probably finalist for the Adams and this time, you know, since I don't think Laviolette was was nominated for the Adams, but you know, it, it just it was one thing after another. As as the season went on, it was one thing after another that was falling by the wayside because they were they were doing so well. And this was just year one, and so you know, I think if if there's anything that's giving you pause, and I mean, and obviously everybody's entitled to feel however they want, um, if there's something that is giving you pause, it is this off season and it is the the coming. Uh, uh, summer where changes are going to be made. I mean, we all like this team. There's players on this team that we all like, um, but there are changes that are going to be made. Uh, first and foremost, they're going to have they're going to have to deal with these these UFAs. And when we're talking about Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Jordan Everly, Robin Leonard, and we'll throw Valtteri Filippo in there just just to make everything complete. Um, and they have the exit interview starting Monday, which is the day most people are probably listening to this. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see what comes out of those meetings. Uh, we've heard the whole time that they've been talking to Lee's agent, and maybe there's uh, you know some some length is the issue, not so much money. Uh, I love Anders Lee. You love Anders Lee. Everybody loves Anders Lee. He's he's the captain. He's face now at this point of you know reporters and stuff like that. And, and he had a really good season, but you know he's going to be 30 years old, and and his skill set is kind of one that's old school and is very, very um, tough on the body. So it's going to be weird to see what they give him. And I'm sure whatever they give him is going to be ridiculed by everybody outside of Islanders fandom. But, you know, at this point, I I can't imagine they let him go after what happened last summer and just what the way he and trots have synced up. I I can't imagine he, he goes right. Yeah. uh, I I would, I would be shocked. He would, I think he would be the most surprising one. Uh, just to, to see drag the entire summer, uh, just coming off of what happened last summer and the fact that he's the captain. They made him the captain knowing he's a free agent. Um, but yeah, so it, be ready for it. Be ready for the uh, the six year, you know, seven million dollar whatever deal it signed, <laughs> just to be universally lambasted by uh, by everybody. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'd say to me, the, the more surprising one would be Leonard because I feel like he, again, you know, we can't, we've, we have gotten this far without <laughs> mentioning his, his off ice issues and, and what brought him to the Islanders in the first place. And it just sounds like he just, he, the team just gave him everything he wanted to. And a connection was forged there again with management, but also with the fans for sure. The way he comes out and claps and he just loves hearing people chanting his name. And it's the first time that's happened to him. And, and he's been sober and clean. Uh, I, again, I, I think that he, he's probably, to me, that would be the most surprising. He, him and Lee would be the most surprising exits. But I, I think that he's got to have to, he's probably likely to stay too. I, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. So I was holding on to this until we got here. I, um, you know, I love the guy. I think he's maybe one of my favorite players we've ever had. Like, he honestly could be my favorite player ever to play for the Islanders already. And, uh, I don't ever shut up about him. Like, I talk about him all the time. I, I, I work with Darren Rovell. I talk, Darren is very big into helping mental health, uh, you know, patients and issues and, and just trying to, you know, do that. Uh, um, you know, he helps with a bunch of organizations and he loves him too. And you just, think about like where he came from and just how low the expectations for this guy were for the season and and every day that you he spent on long island and with the islanders you felt like it got better and better for not just him but us and um you know having someone that you can both root for like for his on ice and off ice stuff is is rare in sports and um i'm honestly petrified uh (laughs) of losing him i think i am like i i it's and this is something the 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 one thing that i was really that was really haunting me on um friday night after they lost game four was that you know the the scars from john Tavares leaving the scars from you know even oposo and and franz nielsen like those those guys seemed like sure things to stay um obviously one not even including the Tavares, like oposo and nielsen like we were told basically from the beginning, Matt Martin, to, to some extent, a little bit, like just the fact that we loved him and he left not through his own fault. Like you just never know. And and that is going to keep me up at night uh, because losing him would, would really suck uh, a lot. And and he's going to get a great deal. He deserves a big, big deal. And hopefully it's the Islanders who give it to him. And there there's just part of me that is just so afraid of, of, of what – is going to happen with him and, and Lee and Nelson. Cause I think those are three guys the Islanders should resign. And hopefully they're the ones that the Islanders are, you know, making priority number one, two, and three is just the, 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 the wounds from Tavares are still so fresh. And, um, yeah, I, it, it, it the show is called Islanders anxiety for a reason. This is, <laughs> this is going to be the thing that I think about all summer long is, or not all summer long, but all, all spring long is, just that we we I need this guy back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I no, I I agree, and and I feel like you know my, the thing that makes me feel better about it um, is that you know the goalie market is always kind of weird. Like there's very there's usually very little movement in terms of goalies. Obviously, the the number one team to look at that for are the Blue Jackets and what happens with Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, uh, Monday night they're going to play at home in game six against the Bruins, and, I mean, that might end up being it if, if Boston wins. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's important that Leonard gets signed, and I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think that he, he was as – he's probably more integral to the, the success of this team this year than any other single player. Uh, and also the fact that Grice is signed for one more year uh, – basically opens the door for Ilya Sorokin to come over and finally 
you know, the white whale, as, as uh, Mike Carver likes to call him, to kind of get finally pulled into port. Uh, and we'll see what happens. And then we can, you know, you have a, a Leonard and Grice for one more year and then hopefully Leonard and Sorokin. Um, you know, I, I hate to, like, parse out post-game quotes and stuff, but, you know, I was, I was reading into what Leonard said and hoping to kind of, like, make it, you know, is he saying, like, we? Is he talking about going forward here? I, I forget exactly what he said, but it certainly didn't sound like he was, you know, looking to exit. And, again, I, I think it, with him, though, it goes more – it goes beyond just, like, are they going to pay this guy enough money over X number of years? I think with him, it's the fact that the team has treated him well. They've made his medical uh, needs, uh, you know, a priority, and he's he's gotten all the help that he's needed. And the team just – they have coalesced around him. I mean, we've heard the stories before, like when they go out on the road, they don't drink like that because they, they want him to be safe and feel secure. And I think that that goes a long way. And the, the guys all want to play for each other. And I mean, every team probably can lay claim to something like that. But I mean, to that extent, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if everybody, every team has this exact situation on it. And I think he and Grice also made a good tandem. I think that they, they like each other and they support each other. And I think that they would probably like to keep that going now, you know, I'm not him and I'm not his agent, so I don't know. But I would think that he, yeah, he and Lee are going to be the number one and two priorities. So, again, I'm interested to hear what comes out of the uh, the exit meetings. And I think that's when the anxiety will hit me is when <laughs> when Arthur Staple posts whatever or Andrew Gross posts whatever they're going to post after those meetings. I mean, not that a lot ever comes out, but whatever does come out is all going to be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't believe this is going to happen. So uh, that that's when it will really yeah. hit me. It's, fun- it's funny you brought up that tweet because it gave me, you know, it scared me because he, you know, there was just nothing. It, it, it was a really nice thing, and and he obviously wasn't going to say like, oh, and by the way, I signed a five-year extension, you know, in the tweet. <laughs> but he said, you know, this organization has a bright future, and I was like, you mean? I, I wish he said we, you know. Yeah. Stuff like just stuff like that, and and I'm going to be looking into that all day. Like tomorrow, everyone's going to say, oh, you know, like there's a time and a place for that right now. Like, you know, I just want to get my you know bearings together and you know get get my stuff packed up, and then I'll. You know that'll we'll, I'll have a conversation with Lou and my agent, and then that's when that stuff yeah. starts. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't expect anything to actually of substance to come out of there. Exactly, and that's going to scare us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing came out of there out of substance when when Garth Snow was in charge. Forget about Lou Lamorello. You're never going to hear anything about yeah. it. But but they are going to do like you know they do they do actual like press availabilities and stuff like that too. So we'll be parsing that stuff out. Um, as far as Nelson goes, you know he's another odd case because. I think it's safe to say I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it doesn't matter. I mean, we could all we all know that this was the best season in Brock Nelson's career. He looked engaged. He looked, you know, a, essentially like a different player. I mean, we've never seen Brock play particularly defensively as well as he did this season, and that that has to be directly related to Barry Trotz coming in and and taking over because whatever he showed Brock Nelson or told Brock Nelson, it worked because he had a great season. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I could see him getting a better offer from someplace else. You brought up, you know, the whole Oposo and, and Nielsen summer. I could see him getting, you know, kind of like the Franz Nielsen treatment where all the things he doesn't sign before the the kind of free agency wooing period. And all of a sudden he goes out to some other team and starts hearing about what he can do and whatever and ends up ends up signing some other contract somewhere. I could see that happening. But at the same time. Between he and Trotz, I feel like a, a, a mutual trust was was put in place there, and I, it also wouldn't surprise me to see him sign, uh, you know, a longer term deal. Again, he's a guy who's gone down to the wire with every one of his RFA contracts, so 
Uh, he's also looking to get paid because, quite frankly, he has not been paid all that well <laughs> these last couple of years. So that that one kind of worries me more than any. Not that you know, I don't think. Also, he's he's going to be a tough player to replace because the Islanders are going to need another a second line center, and they just don't have any in the organization right now. So that means, yeah, you, you lose having to pay him, but now you're going to have to go out and get a free agent signing or make a trade. And, you know, I don't know who they're going to trade for. So that could that could end up being either a big domino or a, you know, surprising sort of, you know, marriage going forward that, that really works out for both the player and the team. Yeah, you he's honestly maybe to the to the team and the team structure, the most important person to get just to know if he's signing or not, because, like you said, second line center who's been really good and um, he's. Probably, you know, like Leonard on a personal level is probably the most important. I think Nelson as a team in, to- in terms of roster construction is the most important uh, person to get re-signed. And, uh, yeah, I think if, if the, the thing that you, you, you said it perfectly, like the, the Franz Nielsen thing, that free agency window has just crippled the Islanders. Like just it, it, <laughs> it has. It's just like <laughs> it's it's at what other team I think it, like because sure the guys know what kind of fan base and how much this team means to us and, and how great it is on Long Island. And to, if you know, you, you being a professional athlete on Long Island is awesome. Like you being a professional athlete, obviously anywhere is great, but there's just like, it's, this is, you know, quite a place to basically be, have tons of money and, and a great job and live on. And, uh, it, then you, you start to think like, all right, he's going to, Brock Nelson's going to meet with the Minnesota wild and say, you know, here's a video of you, you know, being the guy who, yeah. lifts you know the minnesota guy and the minnesota guy and whatever <laughs> so that's it stuff scares you a little bit with him um i'm i've waver on whether or not i'm i think he's as close to 50 50 as it could get because like you said like he's going to get someone's going to throw a lot of money at him in a great hockey market <laughs> like minnesota or whatever and and right. um he's just you just hope that the fact that he's comfortable here he lives here and is had a great year with under trots kind of wins out in the at the end of the day but that's really how it works so um that's you know that's the the really scary thing about this offseason i, I mean we, we we could t- i think we both can agree that jordan everly's chances of staying are pretty slim and val philpola you, i actually think philpola might come back like on a <laughs> on like a sneaky one year you know mm-hmm. be our third center be, be basically be either three or five because you can't be four because that belongs to Zizekas. Mm-hmm. No matter where he's playing in the lineup, he's going to be the fourth line center even if he's on the top line. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, I think like like Kunakel and like the Spiza guys, like obviously yeah. those those guys are are on their way out. But um, the the non free agent who I you know, I think it's pretty obvious that the team will try to move Nick Letty. And yeah. uh, so you think about him and Nelson, both Minnesota guys, and uh, just just knowing that. I mean, obviously, Letty already played with them for a little while, but I just wouldn't be surprised seeing both of those guys ending up in the in in Minnesota or something. And yeah, um, that if but the, like I was saying, from a roster construction standpoint, like if if Nelson does move on, then then the team will almost definitely trade Letty because that's basically the only way they'll be able to get a second line center <laughs> on under under uh, on their roster. Yeah, um, you know, the, my thing with the the free agency window is that like, you know. We all know what the situation with the Islanders is in arena-wise, and now that they're doing the split thing. And I wonder if how many players kind of see, oh, so you have one practice facility and one arena, and I can just like drive to both fairly simply. I wonder if that you know becomes a thing. Justin Bourne said that, like, you know, that wasn't the reason John Tavares left, but 
it also didn't didn't help. You know, <laughs> this one sound like people, players noticed that kind of sort of you know uh, living arrangement stuff, and it and it would probably won't make or break anything. But that's that's where I can see kind of Nelson maybe kind of getting pulled in, in the direction of another team. But yeah, definitely Minnesota is that one. Um, as far as Everly goes. You know, my thing is, um, I wouldn't be surprised if if he ends up kind of sneakily staying too, because I feel like he and Barzell like playing with each other, and I feel like you know Everly is is in a place now where he he's already made a lot of money. I mean, his his contract with the Oilers that he was on when he got traded to the Islanders had him being paid six million or something a year, so he's been making a lot of money for a long time, and I think. I don't think he's going to get more than that. Uh, I think that, you know, he might just like playing with Barzell. I could totally be, you know, this could totally be pie in the sky stuff. But again, I think he had a, a pretty good season and I think he liked playing under trots and has a line mate that he likes and, and that they're successful together. So I, I agree. I think it's, it's probably like, you know, 75, 25, he's gone or maybe 80, 20 or even worse that he's gone. But I wouldn't be surprised if he signed because I think he does generally like it here. Um, it's interesting know, the, that like people, I think Gross and Staple both pointed out that the Islanders think they could upgrade that spot. You know, sure, yeah, and, no, and absolutely. I, obviously, you think about the free agency crop is pretty forward heavy, and um, like guys like Panarin and Duchesne, who I don't think will sign here, but like the, uh, that that's what I'm I'm thinking with Everly is I you know I want there are in free agency there are guys who who survive like or I shouldn't say survive but like. Stay, get stale over like the pers- first three or four days and then end up si- being like the last big fish on in the sea and a lot of times like I could see that happening like you know these guys all sign elsewhere Everly doesn't you know get the term he wants from whoever the Canucks or whatever whoever else would bring him back uh, bring him on board to you know at, at a pretty hefty term and uh just comes back so like that's I can there's definitely a, a path back for him and um I just don't think there are as many uh, paths as there are for the Nelsons and the Lees and the Leonards. That's that's true. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, oh no, I definitely think that they could upgrade in that spot. Um, you know, may, perhaps internally, uh, we don't know. But I mean, I think you know the problem with the Islanders' prospects is that there are guys that look pretty good, but they also look like they're kind of far away. I mean, I haven't read my uh, my handy Islanders uh, prospect report on the website uh, lately this weekend, but. Uh, Bodie Wild, I think, uh, had a great playoff. Uh, um, Noah Dobson, I think, is still playing, right? Is he going to the Memorial Cup? I think uh, Arno Durando had had a great playoff series. So, I mean, they have they have prospects in the system that are pretty good. Oliver Wallstrom looked better in his you know few AHL games than he did all season at, at BU. So, I mean, it's uh, or BC. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry, I don't nobody yelling. Or is it BU? Well, college. Uh, and, and so, <laughs> uh, you know, th- there there's talent there. I, I'm some people are ready to write off Kiefer Bellow. I don't think so. I think he'll be fine. He's just, you know, first year uh, didn't didn't work out for him. I think he'll be okay once he kind of bulks up and sees what he needs to be done. But um, but I don't know if any of those guys – and, of course, we have the eternal Josh Hosang debate. I, the problem is I don't know if any of those guys are ready – are going to be ready next season. So, I mean, the upgrades could be there, but they could not. Um, as far as Letty goes, um, I definitely think they're going to trade him. But to me, the reason they're going to need to trade him is is – Half, yeah, we can get a forward for him, but also they have Sebastian Ajo in the hour of Sebastian Ajo in the minors. And if there's one guy from Bridgeport that is ready to come play in the NHL, it is him. Unfortunately, the defense is a little bit stacked. And not only does that mean that Nick Letty may, you know, be find himself expendable, but what does that mean for Thomas Hickey? Uh, we love Thomas Hickey. 
we've made no mistake, you know, no no bones about that fact. He's smart. He's articulate. He could be a good player. But, boy, I don't think the seventh defenseman role fits him at all. I don't think he likes it. I don't think he he took to it. I don't think it suits him. He looked really, really out of sorts uh, once he came in for Johnny Boychuk. And I just – I feel like, you know, for him it's either a regular role – or he's going to have to play someplace else. Like, and, and I don't want to do that because he just signed an extension here last year. And I'm not saying I want to trade Hickey. I'm not saying I think they're going to trade Hickey. I just don't think that playing that spot duty thing works for him. Um, and also, I think that maybe it's time that, you know, we've, I feel like we've talked about this for three years now. Maybe it's time that, you know, Johnny Boychuk takes rest every once in a while. And so he might be more fresh for a playoff run and stuff like that. I mean, the team obviously loves Boychuk and he's a big leader in the locker room and stuff. And he's still got some in the tank for sure. But I, I feel like at his age, maybe, you know, he could play 50 games and it opens up room for somebody else. But uh, there's definitely going to be changes to that defense. Uh, I think the top four are mostly set uh, with Pelic, Pulick. Mayfield and Taves and then you know the other set there is going to be something <laughs> I don't know it's, I don't know if Letty or Hickey or Boychuk or Aho is going to be in there but it's going to be two of those four guys basically yeah yeah that the defense is it's funny the those four guys if you if you had told me, asked me before the season like I think Taves and Polak I would have said yeah sure like that makes sense but I wouldn't have guessed that Mayfield and Pellick would have turned into no, we right. these guys are locked into a uh, top four role. Like these, and those four are they're like the perfect. They're all like the perfect complementary players to a great defense. Almost like I don't think they're. I think Pollock and Taves maybe could be um, you know number one guys. Uh, they they might not have just like the the defensive. Stop, stop like the, the enough defensively they're good but just not like great defensively to be like a superstar uh rear guard but you know maybe it's Dobson or maybe it's uh Bodie Wild so like there's th- having those four guys and then what they have coming up through the pipeline is just a really good setup on defense and then obviously having the coach who's a who's a master at, at defense at the defensive side of the game is is even better so um it's just it's so obvious what this team needs to do and and you just uh hope it's you know it's it it gets done um you know i think i think it's it's a little bit of a mix mixed bag with lamarillo um we're all thrilled that he's here i think because he completely flipped this franchise around from a a gong show to a well-run you know machine and uh you just hope that his his roster construction is better this year than it was um last summer obviously the Tavares thing notwithstanding because that you know that wasn't his fault at all yeah I, I you know I, I'm I know people are there are people out there that are, that are wary of of Lou and what moves he can make and I, I get that but I, I feel like last summer and and also with the trade deadline this year I still feel like he was kind of in evaluation mode I don't think he was going to go out and spend a lot of money. I mean, Tavares is one thing, but I don't think he was ever going to go spend a lot of money on free agents. And I don't think he was going to go out and make a lot of trades because I feel like he still wanted to know what he had in the organization. And I mean, if that take took a whole season, that took a whole season. And yeah, okay, maybe I'm projecting and this is what I hope is the case. Um, and that that's entirely possible. I, I, I'm willing to own that. But, you know, I, I do think that this year he'll be more aggressive. I think he knows what the team needs. And I think that's one thing that I've kind of gotten back to is, you know they've got they got a they got really far this year on essentially the same team 
just without Tavares. And I think that now they know what they need. They know what they, especially, particularly on offense, they know what they need. Uh, and so I, I think they're going to go out and try and make that happen. And I think he's going to be more willing to make trades now. We all kind of thought he was going to make a trade at the draft. They didn't. Um, they ended up using the two picks, you know, on uh, on some really, really good players. And, and as Arthur Staple told us at the trade deadline, you know, that, that kind of made that first-round pick maybe more – more available because they had Wild and and Dobson and Wallstrom and all these other really you know high prospect, highly touted prospects. I'm not saying they're going to go out and trade at the draft, but I feel like maybe you know they they would be willing to do some more stuff now that you know they know what they need and know you know, what what players are going to fit their their style. Uh, and that's the other thing too, like they're going to need to get players who can play Trotz's style, who work in there, and maybe are willing to sacrifice a couple of points. Uh, for the greater good. Um, yeah, I'm not going to buy any kind of like Panarin uh, hype. I really don't. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I find, I, I feel like, you know, he's going to end up playing for the Rangers. I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like. Yeah, it couldn't be what, more obvious. Yeah. I, I can see, you can see him in that jersey. Yeah. Right? You just see it. You can, it's just like, really even obvious. When they put out that press release or two years ago, whatever, saying, well, we're going to, we're going to strip it down and we're going to rebuild. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like the first time a free agent gets available that, you know, wants to play there, they're gonna he's gonna sign there. And now they've they've traded for Adam Fox, who was apparently the next great, you know, the next Bobby Orr, whatever the hell he is, I don't even know. So uh I could see that happening. Or maybe he just wants to play in Florida. I don't know. Maybe maybe that too. So I, I don't even know who they can go out and get, but I, I do I am right now I am confident that between Trotz and Lou, they know what the team needs to go forward and they're going to go out and try and get those guys. And, and I think they know if those answers are in house or not. I think, I don't think they're going to, that's why I'm saying like, I feel like they could bring back Everly if they're like, yeah, Hosang's not going to, not going to be able to replace this guy or Wallstrom is not ready or that kind of thing. So, so that that's really going to go. One thing I do want to bring up though, and this is me totally just, you know, here's a, here's a bit of anxiety. Nobody saw coming, but uh, you know, Lane Lambert has been up for a couple of coaching gigs in the past. And I don't, I mean, I know the Oilers are still looking for a coach. Uh, there's a couple of other teams I think out there that are still looking for coaches. So oh, no, the, the, no, the Panthers have uh Joe Quenville, but you know, I, I just hope that those guys, the, that band stays together. Scott Gomez, not so much. <laughs> Maybe I mean, if they can, that obviously the power play was a huge problem for the Islanders this year. A lot of that fell under Gomez. Uh, if they're going to make a change, I could see that. Maybe they just move him over to the scouting department or something. But uh, I, I would like to see this team stay together. Uh, Gruden, Lambert, and uh, Corn, and uh, and Trotz, obviously. So. That kind of worries me too, you know. Somebody, somebody has an opening, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, we'll pay you twice as much, and you could be a head coach there. Uh, you know, I, I maybe Lane Lambert takes it. I don't know, but then again, same thing. Maybe he's come to the island and like Trotz is kind of taken to it and and loves and has learned to love it and and stays. And you know, they can kind of just make even more progress next year than what they've done this year because that is un, it's undeniable what these guys have done and taught them an entirely new way to play that. Shaved literally a hundred goddamn goals <laughs> off of their goals against average, which is something we keep glossing over, but is still remarkable. Yeah, well, yeah, it's another thing that you know wasn't really made a bigger deal of uh, by by the people who who make the deals, make the big deals. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's 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 the support system. You hope is definitely intact. Um, I I you know you wonder too, like there's an, an opportunity as well in just the landscape of the division that hopefully 
they I'm sure they notice like you know Lou and and, and the front office because yeah. the Penguins obviously are kind of at a crossroads. The uh, Blue Jackets will lose Panarin and Bobrovsky in all likelihood, and will probably I wouldn't be surprised if they do some and they'll do Shane obviously like they'll do some things like to restock really quickly, kind of you know avoiding a precipitous fall from their best season ever, and then the Rangers are quote unquote still rebuilding. You know the well, Rangers and Devils have picks number one and two. Of course, and that's the, a and, huge and, thing. And you know that you know that Eric Carlson and 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 Artemi Panarin are going to end up on the Rangers, uh, and, and Joe Thornton. It's just going to you know yeah. that's just that's like the perfect Rangers free agency yeah. hall. Like yeah, they they got the two best free agents, and they also got you know a guy on a one year deal who's just you know right. wanted to I'm always wanted there to win. Yeah, exactly. I want to win. I play for a winning fr- original six franchise. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No. That that's the thing too. Like you know. I think generally our hopes are high, and I think most people's hopes are high for the offseason. There's a lot of anxiety there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, we're all worried about who's going to be here next year for sure. But I think generally speaking, we're all we're all pretty hopeful that, that things can turn around. That being said, this is still a very, very difficult division. And so, again, these guys know that they can't sit around – and just be like, yeah, okay, these guys were good last year. They'll be good next year, too. It's not how it works. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe the Penguins. The, uh, sound, Jim Rutherford sounds like he's going to go out and, and try and build, like, the, uh, the the Syracuse Chiefs or something like that. Like, he wants them to keep getting bigger and stronger and tougher. Whatever. Like, okay, Jim, whatever you say. But um, the Capitals are going to obviously be very good. The, the Hurricanes are really damn good, as we all learned. The Devils, you know, they're going to they're gonna be in a rough top spot next year. But they're gonna also going to have Jack Hughes. So, I mean, they might not be great, but – they're going to have him, and if they get another goalie and a couple other players, maybe they'd be good too. So this is a tough division, and these guys know that it's going to stay tough, and they, they need to get better if they're going to compete. And, you know, Barry Trotz said making the playoffs is hard, and so making, you know, that's that's an accomplishment there, and he gets it, you know, as opposed to, like, you know, the previous administration, which was like, yeah, all we got to do is make the playoffs and we'll be okay. Yeah, it doesn't really work that way. That's how you end up, you know, finishing 10th and, uh, and ending up with the sixth overall pick or something. So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we we went from the low of the playoff series to the high of the season retrospective to the low of oh my god, what's going to happen in the off season? <laughs> so it's been a quite a, quite a roller coaster ride. Um, uh, this is not going to be our last episode. You're going to hear from us. Uh, like I said, we're, we got some things uh, kind of in in the mix. Uh, you know, coming up soon. If any kind of big news happens, obviously we'll try and get together. Maybe we get some nice arena news. That'd be kind of cool too. Yeah, I like that. That kind of that. just went by the wayside. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the last you heard about it was like those those like public comment theories, and then everyone was like, "Yeah, no, it's still we're still going to be May first. It's like shovel in the ground for May." And I don't know if they said first, but they said they kept saying May. I don't care what yeah. they, you know. I think and then, and then Gary May, Bettman said, "Yeah, yeah." And now it's yeah, they're still on for when they were planning. You know, May, June, or July. Like, no, you can't do that. You can't not yeah. to this fan. Like, you need to just tell us one way or the other if you know where things stand. Because honestly, if if it's you know there are some issues and hurdles that still need to be overcome, like we should know because we've been through enough already. Like, just be yeah. honest with us. Uh, yeah, I, I read that and I was like, wait, July? Where the hell did July come from? So annoying. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, me, if I put on my conspiracy theory theorist hat, I feel like that might have been a Lamorello thing. I think like Lou and, and John Ledecky might have been like, look, don't let's not talk about this. Let's let's keep it to the playoffs. You know, if somebody asks or whatever, it's fine. But, you know, Gary's going to say this, but no big news. No, like, let's not rock the boat. Just 
you know, we'll wait till the end of the season. I, that's why I think, like, you know, you're going to start seeing stuff kind of happen, and I wouldn't be surprised if the – you know, don't announce that you're going to break ground in an arena while we're down 3-0 in a playoff series, like that kind of thing, you know. I don't think that, that that's not going to be helpful at all. Uh, but I think that kind of stuff is going to come about. You'll start seeing it soon. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then obviously we'll get together and talk about draft, talk about free agency. Uh, hopefully we can talk to Arthur Staple before he goes uh, full-time dad uh, for the summer with his uh, his family. He's got a lot a lot on his plate right now that, that has nothing to do with the Islanders. So hopefully we can talk to him again or, or some other special guests. But, uh, you know, I, I do want to say, though, having, having said all that, I do want to say, and I'm sure Michael will say too, like, we, we thank you so much for following along with us and taking this ride with us. And, you know, we do this because we're friends and we like talking to each other about the Islanders. But for some reason, a lot of people like listening to us talk about the Islanders. And, and we appreciate that. We would not do this if it weren't for you. It would just be two crazy people talking over Skype. But uh, thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for your kind comments on Twitter or on iTunes or SoundCloud or in the comments or whatever. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoy hanging out with us. And you can hang out with us a lot more. We're definitely going to be back a couple more times and then back next season, too. And, uh, you know, I don't know why it's taken me this long, but I feel like we're going to maybe get some T-shirts going next year uh, to throw up on our site to, uh, to you know, uh, sell and, and go uh, go to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. I really don't. <laughs> it's just <laughs> kind of stupid. But I was just like, hey, I could, why don't I do like a shirt? We'll do that. We'll, I'll see what I can put together for that, and, and uh, I'll let everybody know. And uh, it should be pretty cool. But thank you so much. Thank you very much. That's what I'm trying to say is thank you very much for listening to us. We, we really appreciate it, and uh, we're glad you, uh, you've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I love doing it. And uh, we – I remember, uh, so we went from maybe not ever doing this again because, you know, we were just so <laughs> in the dumps about um, Tavares and, like, just how, you know, much pain that felt, like, you know, just how annoying it that whole thing was. And um, to then September being like, let's just do this weekly. And so, like, we went from one, <laughs> one extreme to the other, and, and uh, it was awesome to do it, I thought. Um, I, I For a little bit, I was concerned before we started to – to meet once a week like oh my god we're never gonna have things to talk about like we're gonna mm-hmm. talk about one game some episodes which happened and, and it still was great because there's, there's always so much to talk about with this this team and this fan base and there's just so you know I've, I've had so many conversations with people who i met because of this uh through twitter or whatever and um you know you talk to them and like we're all on the same page uh, you know for the most part and uh it's really it's really fun to to be on this page with with like all these people that uh that reach out and listen and uh yeah i love doing it and you know hopefully one of these years like you know we're, we're doing a post stanley cup episode where we're <laughs> you know we're we're just like punch drunk and you know i don't know where but you know it'll, it'll come and uh yeah it's just it's just that was my way of saying it's just been so much more fun of to do us to do this in a season of just like unbridled enthusiasm and joy than it has been in um uh, the ones where we were worried about things like the Coliseum and Barclays sucking and Tavares and all that shit. So like, it's just, it's, it's been an, such a uh, fun time. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. This is way more fun than either of the last two seasons. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we might have some other, uh, cool stuff coming down the pipe. Um, you know, and, and actually you just reminded me of one thing, like, you know, we were talking about how, you know, whatever the, the, the sort of, outside media said about the Islanders or didn't say about the Islanders this year. And it just, it reminded me of something that I said on our July 1st episode last year was that, you know, we are all in this together. 
Like we are, we are all Islanders fans are in this together. So it's important that we all stick together, and it's important that we all understand each other and and look out for each other because nobody else out there has our backs. I promise you. And I'm not trying to sound like, you know, Captain America rallying, uh, you know, for a fight or anything, but that's the truth. Like out there, the perception of this franchise. The, what people think about this franchise is always going to be people out there that are trying to drag them down, whether rightly or wrongly. And we all are in this. We are Islanders fans. We're Islanders. And that's you know something you brought up, which is that you know as a team name, we're Islanders. Like we're a lot of us are Long Islanders. And so that makes us this team name, not just some kind of arbitrary thing. It's what we are, too. I mean, I'm not saying that to disparage people that aren't Islanders who are Islanders fans. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation and it's an interesting twist on that idea and but wherever you're from if you're an islanders fan we are in this together and so whatever anybody's saying anywhere about this team we can talk about it we can be all about it and we can you know kind of parse it out with each other but you know ultimately people there are people out there that know what you're going through like us like you so i guess that's the way we feel about you guys so uh you know just just stick together and just everybody you know trying to look out for each other and you see an island person with an islander's hat on or an islander's jacket someplace give them the head nod i actually yeah man i gotta say so so you could give him a head nod but i I was on the phone with my friend from milwaukee uh who i work with and i'm walking into the office and i see a guy in an islander shirt this was right before the this is probably right before game one it was probably the day of game one for the hurricanes and I was like, hold on one second to the guy I was on the phone with. I'm like, you're going to hear a great Islander hug. And I just held him. And we just, me and the stranger hugged. Didn't say a word. Hmm. And, yeah. and that, that was it. And that's yeah. that's that's what it's like to be an Islander fan. It's like you're you're in like the, this wild universe. And there's so few of us. But like they're, they're out. They are out there. And you see them and you just feel awesome when you do. Yeah. Because you're like, that person's been through what I've been through. And they're still going, you know. <laughs> and they're still wearing that that hat or that shirt. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah exactly that that person knows he, they know yep. they know you know it's like seeing somebody who's uh, Jeremy Schapp apparently knows he, he was yeah <laughs> who knew yeah. I don't know I, I don't know how that happened I guess is he from Long Island I don't, I don't know, know. But, I don't know but of all the teams like between him and his dad all the teams they covered why would he root for the Islanders I don't know that's an interesting question we got to talk to him we'll find out. if anybody out there knows the story of Jeremy Schapp. Uh, and the Islander hat, please tell us because we're definitely interested. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, just real quick, sneakyathletic.com. Hey, you can still buy stuff there. You can still get ten percent off if you put anxiety in the discount code box. They got great stuff. Sneakyathletic.com, anxiety in the discount code box. Do it. Check out nhlnames.com. They had a great first uh, season. Hopefully, there'll be some more improvements uh, in the uh, coming months. That's John and Travis's site. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. You know we're not going anywhere because. We're, we're always there. <laughs> Dom and Steve and Jenny and everybody has done such a great job all year. We're, we're not going anywhere. That We're there. Comments are always there. And so please read us every day. And if you can, you have time now in the summer, please leave Islanders Anxiety a review on iTunes. Really helps us, and uh, you know if you ever have already, thank you very much. But if you haven't, please do because it's really cool. Uh, all right, what else? Anything else? No, it's good. I'm... Got it all out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ready to face uh, the off season. Yes, <laughs> face stare the off season down, like the Avengers have stared down Thanos. We can do this. We can do this together. I, I might have to see Endgame again for the third <laughs> time. I'm not even sure. But uh, thank you very much for listening to us, and we will be back at some point. All right, thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye bye.